greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together once again to um, worship Him in our singing, worship Him in, in our giving, um, in praying for um, countries that uh, where Christians are persecuted, to think about our brothers in those countries, brothers and sisters, and also to worship Him, most importantly, in hearing His Word. Um, we are still going to look at His Word today because God is faithful. He continues to speak to us each and every day, and he's, in His Word He speaks to us uh, most clearly, um, and um, He speaks to us with authority from His Word. Um, as 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 reminds us, um, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, uh, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness. And may God do that for us even this morning as we, we look at his word. Let me also express my uh, gratitude for all of you uh, being involved in making um, yesterday possible. Um, may God bless you uh, with more strength, with uh, grace, and the joy that you expressed. It was not just uh, celebrating uh, Slee and, and Lawrence's um, uh, baby that is coming. Um, one of the joys that I saw was how um, you connected with one another yesterday. Um, so that is some of the things that, that rejoice uh, my heart and I'm sure that God will continue to do that as you open um, each other's, um, your doors for each other, sit down on the table, enjoy each other's fellowship and learn from one another. Um, we're still looking at uh, Mark chapter 5. Remember, uh, last week we, we started reading with verse 21, and all of a sudden we find a story that is sandwiched um, between the story that we are supposed to, to be looking at. Um, a, a lady from nowhere comes up and, um, you know, interrupts the journey that Jesus was taking to, to go um, to the to Jairus's house, and so we saw how important that story is. That finds itself in the midst of another story. Uh, Mark chapter five. We will look at verse twenty-one to verse twenty-three. We've already seen Jesus displaying his authority in different ways. His authority um, over creation. His authority. Um, over demons, his authority over uh, sickness, and his authority this morning, the title, Authority Over Death. Authority Over Death. We're looking at chapter 5, verse 21, up until verse 43. I'm going to read it as it is, and then uh, we, we will focus um, on the story of Jairus' daughter. Verse 21, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogues, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And he went 
with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And Jesus uh, and the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell before him and told him the whole truth. And he, and he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some um, who said, your daughter is dead. Well, why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John and the, uh, 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 the brother of James. They, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all uh, outside and took the child's uh, father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for the joy of knowing you. Our prayer is that you will take your ancient words and use them to speak to us. Our love increase, our joy may it be abundant, our faith strengthened. Glorify your name as we hear your word. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. In 1871, tragedy struck Chicago um, as fire ravaged the city. When it was finally extinguished, the, the fire had taken uh, uh, over 300 lives and had left some 100,000 people homeless. A man by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford was one of those who tried to help the people of the city to get back on their feet after the tragedy. He was a lawyer who invested heavily in the downtown area of Chicago and lost everything as a result of that fire as well. More tragically, he had also suffered the loss of his only son just a year earlier. 
uh, still for, for, for two years he assisted the homeless, the impoverished, the grief stricken and others ruined by the fire. After about two years of such work he and his family decided to take a vacation. They were to go to England to join D.L. Moody, if you've ever heard about D.L. Moody, to join D.L. Moody and Irasanki um, uh, on one of their evangelistic uh, crusades. Then, then they were to travel again to Europe. Uh, uh, Horatio Spafford was delayed by some business, but he sent his family on ahead. He would catch up to them on the other side of the Atlantic. But as they went, their sheep, which was named uh, Villa de Havre, ne- uh, never made it. When it was off to Newfoundland, it collided with an English sailing sheep um, and sank within 20 minutes. Though Horatio's wife, um, Anna, was able to cling to a piece of floating wreckage, um, uh, she was one of the 47 survivors among hundreds. There, there are four daughters, Maggie, Tanetta, Annie and Bessie were killed. Horatio received a horrible telegram from his wife, only two words, saved alone. He immediately boarded the next available ship to be near his grieving wife. When the ship passed near the spot where his daughters died, he took pen to paper and penned these precious words. When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul and of course there is more to that story uh, and more to that song but that is an illustration of how god can work in the midst of tragedy now, every one of us has been impacted by tragedy of some degree, whether it be illness, infirmity, death, or any of the thousands of things that can touch us human beings. We have all experienced pain, haven't we? Whether it be the pain of a broken body, a broken heart, a broken spirit, tragedy has touched us all to some degree. Whether the pain is physical in nature or spiritual, we have all been affected. Jesus said it well in this way. In John chapter 16, verse 33b, he says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Job also uh, commented on the plight of, of man. In Job chapter 14 verse 1 he says, Man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. In chapter 5 of verse 7 of Job, again he says, But man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. I want you to remember, brothers and sisters, that when tragedy comes your way, Jesus is more than adequate to take care of the situation. Remember how uh, what Jesus Christ says in John 16, verse 33b? The whole verse is important, especially those last words, uh, aren't they? But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this passage we just read, we are confronted with a father 
who's experiencing tragedy. That day, the death, uh, death showed up at the door of Jairus and it has come for his 12-year-old daughter. His heart is broken and in the midst of his tragedy, he turns to the Lord. I think we can relate with him in some way. He turns to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jairus found out that Jesus is more than enough in the times of our tragedy. Today I want to look at uh, on these events of this passage and I want us to look closely at this tragic tearful scene and see how Jesus is able to snatch victory from the very jaws of defeat. I want to preach um, today uh, on authority over death. And I want this to be particularly encouraged by this. I want this to, 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 to gain uh, the confidence in, 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 in the Lord and, and, and who he is, in, in, his, in his victory over death, especially victory over death on the cross. I want this to have his resurrection as something that defines how we see all of life. First of all, we see a pitiful dialogue in verse 21 to verse 23. We are told that there's a man who is a ruler of the synagogue. That is, he is a man of prominence, of, of position, prestige, privilege, prosperity, and power. He is a man who is well respected in the community. He was a man who, uh, you know, uh, in worldly standards, he had it all. But at this moment in time, none of it mattered. When Jairus spoke, people listened. When he walked into a room, everyone stood up in recognition of him. But now he finds himself in a place where none of that matters anymore. Let me stop there. We are reminded at different points of our lives that we are not really in control of this life. Even if we try to be in control of this life, we are reminded that we are not the ones pulling the strings. We are at the mercy of a sovereign God, aren't we? This man is at a point where he has no control anymore. His power and prestige don't mean anything anymore. A sickness and death could care less about who this man is, what he possesses, or the position he holds. Here is a man who is religious, but his religion is powerless at this moment to help him in the situation. And I guarantee you that Jairus would have traded everything for the power to change his situation. You see, his life became very defined in this moment. He had, he had everything, and, 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 and so he thought he had everything. In reality, what he had in this world meant absolutely nothing. You see, death had come to the house of Jairus, and it had come for his real treasure. That little daughter... Verse 23, you see how she's described. There's a sense that she is Jairus' treasure, his little daughter. 
probably his only daughter the one Luke calls only one daughter in Luke chapter 8 verse 42 she was dying and she was his real treasure you see some people spend their entire lives amassing power and wealth but when tragedy comes those things mean absolutely nothing death doesn't care if you're a millionaire sickness and sorrow doesn't care if you have power prestige and position in the community sorrow and suffering don't care about your popularity hell could care less about who you are and what you've done when tragedy and death come calling you better know one greater than yourself you better know where to go to get help you need you better know in the midst of that grief, in the midst of that pain, who your comfort is. You see, life will come into crystal clear focus when tragedy comes. That's when we are more sober. What you think matters now will cease to matter then. Jairus knew where to go. Now the question to you is, do you know where to go? in the midst of grief in the midst of tragedy do you know where to go we see in verse 22 his attitude the attitude of, uh, of Jairus somewhere Jairus had heard about Jesus the name Jairus means he whom God enlightens uh, somehow God had opened the eyes of this Jewish official and he saw that Jesus was his only hope. And now at the very moment, at this very moment, his daughter is dying. Jesus just happens to be passing through the town. What a coincidence. Well, it's not really a coincidence. There is no coincidence with the sovereign Lord, is there? It was a divine plan of God that allowed the, the path of Jairus and Jesus to cross. He's always passing by. We don't have to wait for Jesus to travel to Rustenbeck, do we? He is with us all the days of our lives. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is one who continues to be present when all else fails, when people reject you, when people leave you. He continues to be there. Notice how this man of position and power came before Jesus Christ. He, he came reverently, prayerfully, and passionately. The, the Bible says that he fell at his feet in verse 22. The, the, the word fell here means to descend from a higher place to a lower. In other words, that the big man humbled himself in the presence of the glory of God. He, he came down from his lofty perch to humble himself before the Lord. He recognized where true power truly is when he stood before the Lord. But this is a secret many people never learn. Now, before you are ever going to get anywhere in, 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 in life with the Lord, you are going to have to humble yourself in his presence. You are going to have to get small 
before him. You're going to have to come to the place where he is everything and you are nothing. One of the greatest truths in the Bible is this. The way up is down. The truth is made clear in the word. The Bible tells us that we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Doesn't it? The Bible says we we are to humble ourselves. Remember John the Baptist? When he could have had prestige and prominence as an evangelist, as a teacher of the word. But he says he must be lifted up and I must be brought low. He characterizes what humility is. That the most important, the the, the one who has to have center stage is the Lord himself. Not me. It's a message that we pastors need to hear. Isn't it? The one who is important is not the one who is standing on the pulpit. The one who is important is the one being spoken about. You are not to go out there and say, hey, hi, pastor was, was hot today. Hey, he was on fire. You need to say, today, I met Jesus. I heard about Jesus. Jesus. And, and we will never stop preaching about Jesus because there's nothing better to preach about. He is the one who is to be our supreme and ultimate treasure. He had to come to this truth and we have to come to this truth when we come to the place where we see our own inability and his ability then we are in a position to receive what we need from him. Now look at verse 23 uh, the acknowledgement of Jairus when this man comes to Jesus falls down before him and makes his petition to the Lord he's saying to Jesus I cannot do this thing but I believe that you can. And what a statement of faith, isn't it? And brothers and sisters, this is a place we have, we have to get to in life. Whether it be for salvation, the salvation of your own soul, the, the salvation of your loved one, or for, for, for help in time of tragedy, we, can, uh, we, we have to go to, 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 to reach the place where we know that while we can't, He can. He can. Now, the, the story shifts as Jairus is, is saying this. The, the story shifts in a way that I believe would have been irritating to, to Jairus. In a way I think would have raised a, 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 a bitterness in his heart. There's a painful delay in verse 24 to verse 35. We saw it, didn't we? One of the things that are interesting about this delay is that this woman has been suffering for 12 years. Jairus' daughter is 12 years. When Jairus' daughter was born, this woman started to be sick. As this as his daughter was enjoying life and health and, and the prominence of her dad and the riches of her dad, 
this woman was suffering shame. This woman was being rejected. This woman was ostracized religiously. This woman could not marry. This woman was unclean. She was outside. Do you see how Jesus does not have favorites? Look at the interest of the Savior as he, he draws. When, Jesus, when Jairus shares his story with Jesus, he receives a sympathetic ear. Jesus is interested in his need and goes with Jairus to Jairus' house. And what a blessed truth that is. When you bring your need to Jesus, he will be on his way into your situation to do something about your need. There's an intrusion, as I said, of sickness here, verse 25 to verse 34. We saw it last week. We're not going to go into detail into it. But just to remind you, as Jesus goes into with Jairus, they are stopped by the woman with the issue of blood. This delay must have gripped the heart of Jairus, right? And no doubt he is impatient at this time and wants the master to hurry. It must have been. It must have confused him as to why Jesus would would stop and deal with this issue when this little daughter was 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 lying at death's door. She's not dead yet. And I don't know what is happening to, um, you know, his 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 mores, his 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 you know view of life as he thinks about this woman who is ostracized. He, he wants Jesus to hurry, not to look at, you know, left and right. He wants Jesus to hurry to his situation. And none of the, the gospel writers ever record anything that Jairus said during this delay, delayed time. He isn't seen impatiently pulling the robes of Jesus to hurry him along. He doesn't interp- interrupt our lost dialogue with this poor woman. He merely waits until the Lord is free and can continue uh, uh, on with him. Uh, this is somehow a response of faith as well, isn't it? Here is a man who has come to the place where he knows that he cannot solve his problem. He has placed the problem in the hand of Jesus and he has left it there. What a lesson for you and me. But I think there's a greater lesson as well. Jesus will not overlook your situation and focus on just someone else. Jesus focuses on your situation, as I said, as if you are the only one there. Jesus doesn't look at the fact that you are prominent, you are not well respected in the community. And, and because he deals with you, he would at least get a name also in that community. I mean, it, it could happen, wouldn't it? He, he looks at a woman that would not even give him anything. She's done. Her money is gone. The, the, the fake doctors have taken her money. Well, let me not call them the fake doctors, but I mean, they had so many things and their practice that didn't make sense. Verse 35, we see the invasion of sorrow. During the delay, a servant of Jairus comes to, the, to, to, to him with a tragic word. Nobody wants to hear those words. Your daughter is dead. Can you imagine how Jairus must have felt at that moment? How at 
that particular moment, it, it, he would feel like his spirit has left his body. And he doesn't know what emotion to conjure up because he is in an emotional spiral at that moment. His world fell apart as each word fell on his ears. All of his dreams and hopes were in, an, when in, an, in that instant shattered and, and broken. And I wonder if he said within his heart, if it hadn't been for the crowd, we would have gotten there in time. My daughter would have been alive. If that woman had not interrupted Jesus, we would have been home by now and everything would be fine. If Jesus had not stopped to help that woman, my daughter would be alive. And surely this man could understand, could not understand the reasons for, 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 for this tragedy. And how many times has a similar word come to our hearts? Dead and there's no more hope. Uh, how we are shaken by, by such news. How we look back at the times where we prayed about a matter and wonder why the Lord tarried and allowed this thing to happen. We prayed. Brothers and sisters, you aren't the first to question God's timing. Mary and Martha questioned the Lord in his timing concerning the death of their brother Lazarus. If Jesus, if you had come in time, that's what they said. The, the disciples in the storm probably questioned the timing of Jesus. Why are you sleeping? In chapter 6, they are probably going to say, why did you come late? Why did you leave us behind? But did you know that our lost delay are part of his eternal plan? You see, in the end, Mary and Martha saw Jesus raise the dead and the disciples saw him walk on water. Neither would have either experienced uh, uh, that not, had he not delayed his coming to them. Sometimes he tarries because he loves us. It sounds strange, doesn't it? He allows tragedy to take place because he loves us. John 11 verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And her sister and Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus was not their sister. But but um, let me just go back to. I want to show you after verse five what what happens then. What 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 John says. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Verse six. So when he heard that that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. You expect verse 6 to say he rushed to Lazarus's place, but he stayed. He stayed two days longer. So when it seems that God is moving slow, don't give up. Because while God is seldom early, he is never late. And of course, what we see as a delay is really God moving at the right time. You see, God never has to hurry. He always shows up on the right time. I want us to look, lastly, at a powerful deliverance in verse 36 to verse 
43, a powerful deliverance. So a tragic situation has transformed itself into an impossible situation. The little girl is no longer sick, and now she's dead. Even at this tragic moment, it is interesting to see how faith reacts. Jairus has placed his faith in Jesus, and even in the face of death, his faith does not waver. And notice how faith in Jesus saw him produce a great victory. They continue to the house. Verse 36, Jesus says to Lazarus after he hears this unbearable news, do not be afraid, only believe. And what a word of faith. Jesus is saying to him, don't believe what you hear, verse 35. Don't believe what you know, verse 38 to 39. Don't believe what you see, verse 40. Just trust me. Sometimes we allow our emotions to cloud what we know about God. Our emotions, because we are feeling this way, we feel like the Lord has left us, does not mean the truth is he has left us. We, we need to get to a point where we preach the gospel and the truth to ourselves where emotion and truth come together. Emotion is not a sin. Emotion is God's gift to us. But we need to inform our emotions. Our emotions don't need to inform our understanding of God. Our understanding of God informs our emotion. That's why when we rejoice, we don't just rejoice all of a sudden not knowing what we rejoice about. We rejoice because we know who God is. Like uh, churches where there's um, dancing, dancing, uh, uh, the, the right kind of course, must be informed by what you know about God. You don't just go and hop around and hop around. Why are you dancing? No, it's nice. No, you must rejoice and dance because God is good. Right? That is what must inform your worship of God, your expression of worship, whatever kind it manifests itself. We don't just do things just because, and you are asked, why are you doing what you're doing? I don't know, it's nice. Truth must be the driver at all points, shouldn't it be? Truth must drive how we respond to truth, to, 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 to life. Truth must drive how we respond to God, how we respond in worship, whatever form that takes. Uh, that is what faith says to you today, right? Every instinct, every indicator may say it is hopeless. But faith looks away to a God who is greater than anything we can hear, know, or see. And all I'm saying is you bring your need to Jesus. You trust your need to Jesus and you leave your need with Jesus. Everything about the situation may, be, may not be going the way you want it to go, but you leave it in his hand by faith and trust him. You trust him. You trust him because he's trustworthy. That is his character and he will never turn away from his character. You trust him. Because he is faithful. He will not deny himself. He remains faithful. He has always been faithful. 
He will not start being unfaithful with you. He is faithful. Verse 37 to verse 40. Notice that Jesus put everyone out who did not believe him. Those who lacked faith in him were excluded from seeing him move and work in power. These people that pretended to be hurt, they, they, they were hired to, to be, they were hired mourners. They were, they, they, they were not crying because they felt anything. They were hired. They were rented. They were a rented crowd. In that culture, there were people who would cr- come and cry for pay. And Jesus comes now and says something that is funny to them. And they start laughing. Because their emotions are not there. They don't really feel what their situation is. They, they, they have become so, uh, you know, insensitized because they experience this week by week. They are hired mourners. Things haven't changed. Even in our day. But the truth is, Jesus knows what we experience. Jesus will not beat you for being in a period of mourning. Jesus will not beat you for feeling pain. He knows. He's with you. He comforts you. He speaks to you. Only believe his truth. Only believe him. In the midst of that Job-like experience where Job says, Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Though he slays me, yet will I trust him. You see, faith believes the incredible, sees the invincible, and receives the impossible. Unbelief receives nothing from the hand of God. We see now an exhibition of faith in verse 40 to verse 43. When Jesus entered the room where the little girl was, he took her by the hand and told her to rise, and she did. When life came, when life came in, death had to flee. How do we see that she's alive? She had all the signs. She was living, she was working, she was eating. And by the way, these are signs of new spiritual life in Jesus. We are made alive in him. We walk with him, grow in him, and we are fed the word. When those in the room saw what had happened, the Bible says they were astonished with great astonishment. Two words come to mind. Uh, that means to, 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 to throw out of position, to be out of one's mind. Uh, literally, when they s- see Jesus do what he did, it blew their minds and left them with their chins hanging on their chest with amazement. Brothers and sisters, you see, he's waiting to do the same in your life today. He's waiting for you to bring your impossible situation, leave it in your hand, in, in his hand by faith, and trust him to deal with it in his time. Some of you need to bring your soul to Jesus today. You need to be saved. But you need not fear that he won't save you. He will, and he will fix that which is broken in your life. Some of you need to bring a lost family member to him in prayer, a lost child, 
or, or some other special person uh, uh, to Jesus today. Put them in his hand and leave them to him. Leave them to him. Let me conclude by telling you a story. A Methodist preacher by the name of Luther Bridges was born in 1884. He married Sarah Fiech, and three little lovely sons were born of their union. Uh, Pastor Bridges accepted an invitation to minister at a conference in Kentucky in the year 1910. Uh, so he, he left his family in the care of his father-in-law and made the trip to Kentucky. There two wonderful weeks of ministry resulted. The last service closed with great joy and he was excited to be called on the telephone. He couldn't wait to tell his wife about all the blessings that he has experienced, how people came to Christ. But it wasn't her voice on, the, on that long distance line. He listened in silence to the news that a fire had burned down the house of his father-in-law and his wife and all three of his sons died in the blaze. That distraught father leaned heavily on his savior and expressed his faith in God during a tearful moment by penning these words. He says, there's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low, fear not, I am with you. Peace be still in all of life's ebb and flow. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stared at the slumbering courts again, feasting on the riches of his grace, resting beneath his sheltering wing, always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep, trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. Soon he's coming back to welcome me far beyond the starry sky. I shall wing my flight to worlds unknown. I shall reign with him on high. Listen to the chorus of the song that he wrote. He says, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. You see, brothers and sisters, the supply of your need, the supply of our need, will only be found in Jesus Christ. And I invite you to do what Jairus did so long ago. Get up. Go to Jesus. The woman who had an issue of blood heard about Jesus. Jairus got up, went to Jesus. You see, Jesus has all authority on earth, under the earth and in heaven. There's nothing too big for him. There's nothing too minuscule for him. There's nothing that is on the side for him. Your every situation matters to him. I implore you, brothers and sisters, get up. Go to Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Indeed, our Heavenly Father, you are close to us. Your presence is more real than our own skin. We pray that our hearts will run to you in the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of sorrow, 
in the midst of pain because you are in control. You are the sovereign Lord who never delays. You are always on time. Sometimes, Lord, we feel like you have delayed, but may the truth inform our emotions, our hearts, that we may walk in it. And this we pray in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.